It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. It's time for Barreled Up by Ball Cap Sports. Here's your, here's your, here's your host, Jim Wiley. Welcome back to the Barreled Up podcast, everybody. A very special YouTube live stream on Ball Cap Sports and the Barreled Up podcast coming together because we need to talk about and we need to do it with some content creators some 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 people close to the situation i'm going to tell you who it is those of you watching on youtube you know who it is you can see it those of you listening on the podcast just five more seconds and i'll let you know but we got to get a closer to the epicenter feel on what just happened the best team in the american league is done make sure to subscribe to the podcast if you have not yet help us grow this thing rate and review it and, of course, turn those automatic downloads on so as soon as the content is posted, you've got it. And those on YouTube wondering, who are these two that are hanging out with Jim? And those listening to the podcast in suspense, I am joined today by Ryan Ripkin and Brad Smith of the Ryan Ripkin Show. Gentlemen, thank you for sitting through that minute of me yammering, and welcome. Thank you for joining me here on the uh, on the podcast and on the YouTube channel. Uh, of course, I mean, usually it's Brad hearing me r- ramble on for you know a couple minutes too long, so uh, I'm, I'm sure that he's happier about that. But we're happy to be here with you, Jim. Unfortunately, maybe not talking about exactly what we want to talk about with the Orioles. Yeah, that's right. Uh, Ryan Ryan is great at, at making a short story long, but <laughs> I try to I try to keep him reined in. But yeah, to Ryan's point, uh, it is it's been uh, been a tough uh, stretch of days for Baltimore sports fans in general. But yeah, more yeah. specifically with the O's for sure. You know, I'll say this as a somebody that's on YouTube, somebody that's got a podcast, you, you have to be able to take a short story and stretch it out and and take some time so that's a skill that is a skill that's ryan you should feel good about all right let's dive right into this thing this team won 101 games did a live stream last night and the first words out of my mouth 
or that 101 wins mean nothing if you can't win even one in October. This series maybe didn't match up that well, but let's go back. Let's go back a couple of days before even before Bradish threw that first pitch this past weekend. Ryan, we'll start with you. Then, Brad, I want your thoughts on this, too. How did you feel about this series as we were heading into it? When you knew it was going to be the Rangers, when you knew it was going to be Andrew Haney in game one, what was your feeling heading into this series about the Orioles' chances? Well, initially, I thought I didn't want to see Tampa again, but watching the first game unfold in that wild card, I went, man, I don't want to. I'd rather face Tampa, not Texas, because yeah. that sleeping giant of a lineup that they have was awoken, awaken, and yeah. really their starting pitching was the question mark or how would they hold up? We know about their bullpen, but their strength would be their starting pitching. And Jordan Montgomery looked really solid. And Nathan Evaldi, if he pitched like he did in the wild card game, which then he ended up pitching to close out the series against the Orioles, mm-hmm. that was going to be a concern. But yeah. for game one, it felt like the Orioles, everything was right there. You had the better pitching matchup. You had Kyle Bradish on the mound versus Haney mm-hmm. in Baltimore. But what happened for that series in general, the Orioles then just played baseball. That was uncharacteristic to how they had been the entire season. But if you were an Orioles fan going into game one, mm-hmm. you liked your chances. And I don't think anyone had it on their bingo card that the Orioles were going to get swept out of the playoffs and really two of the three games not being as competitive as some people would have expected. No, no. Brad, how about you? Yeah, you know, I, I said this from the start of the playoffs, and we, we talked about this with Gavin Sheets last week. I said that I, I think that I would have rather faced the, the Rays. One of the big reasons is because we had a great record against them. Uh, we know the team, and obviously sometimes you – you, you uh, hear, you know, about how, you know, teams struggle against division opponents just because they do know each other so well. But I, it seemed as if this year that the O's had their number, uh, despite the the Rays record. I mean, I, and, and the crazy part about it is that the, the Orioles have just been grinding it out all year because of the Rays. You know, they had that historic start in the season and it was just... It was really tough to obviously see, uh, you know, the, the the Rangers come in and, and like a buzzsaw. And but I will say, if you look at the box score and if you look at what actually happened in those games, aside from last night, uh, it was it, it kind of played out exactly how you thought it would, only because it was a really close game that first game uh, with Bradish, and it, it really could have gone either way had the bats woken up and uh, the Rangers bullpen did what they usually do. <laughs> and we actually saw that in game two where it, the Orioles had a chance to come back late in the game. And, but it was, and yesterday it just kind of seemed as if I, I, I don't want to put words in anybody's mouth or thoughts in people's minds, uh, especially on the, from a player standpoint, it, but it kind of felt as if they already were defeated by the time they got into to Texas. And again, not saying uh, that uh, they truly felt that way. It just kind of had that feeling mm-hmm. as a fan and as a spectator. As you're watching it all play out, does it seem to you, and and again, we'll go Ryan and Brad, did it seem like this was a matter of the Rangers were just clearly the better team, had the better lineup? Was it the bad matchup, that lineup against an Orioles pitching that was not tested in the postseason? Or was it specifically that, that this is October baseball, in October, baseball is different from 
the 162 games that are played from April until September. Was it a little bit of all of that? Was it one of those over the other? What do you think when you're watching this all happening? How 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 do we see this? How do we see this play out? I think it's a combination. And honestly, you know, being around the game and the sport for a while, and especially how things are constructed now, mm-hmm. it's, excuse me, I tell people all the time, you just got to get in the dance. You got to be in it. And then how hot do you get? And right now the Texas Rangers are scorching hot and the Orioles ran into a buzzsaw. And right. on the flip side of it, I know that it's a new format. Playoff baseball is exciting. You have the wild card teams, but clearly there is something to getting a first round by that a lot of teams struggle with, you know, and the only team that's actually figured that out is the team that everyone wants to see fail. And that's the Houston Astros. But right. overall, even last year, the Astros went to the ALCS, but for the NLCS, you had the Padres and Phillies, two wildcard teams that caught fire and took it to some of the best teams in baseball and the Dodgers and Braves. And so far, and actually last year, if we want to continue with that, the Yankees made it to the ALCS with the bye, but they survived against the Guardians, which turned out to be a five-game series. Mm -hmm. So I think it was just a combination of the Orioles having the time off. Yes, the Orioles then had picked a bad time to have a a rough three-game stretch. And, you know, quite frankly, the young pitchers earned the right. Bradish earned the right for game one. His stuff was nasty. I mean, that he was dominating, and Hyde, I thought, maybe took him out too early, but he had nine Ks through four and two-thirds. The dude was dealing. Mm-hmm. But then the walks by Grayson Rodriguez, and then it felt like in game three, Dean made some tough pitches, but the Texas Rangers batters were even tougher. I mean, Nathaniel's, were, yes. Nathaniel Lowe's 15-pitch at bat ended up as a line-out, but to tell you, like that's demoralizing as a, for a pitcher. And mm-hmm. then... The, the, the the rest of that inning, it really, while the game got out of hand, was the Rangers got the hits with two strikes. They kept the inning alive, and then they did their damage. And really, to me, that happened. And then the Rangers on the other side, Evaldi shut the door. And when that happens, yeah. it can take the life right out of you, and, and that's certainly what happened in games two and three. Mm-hmm. Brad, your thoughts on it? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I... I... You know, Ryan and I talked about this. We've been huge Fuji fans since he came into came mm-hmm. to Baltimore. And I you almost kind of wonder, you know, he was left off the roster and, and Ryan right. and I had this conversation and we actually did comparisons to how Fuji did against the entire MLB since coming to Baltimore. He did terrible. What was it, Ryan? 47 ERA against the Astros, but he was under three against everybody else. And you gotta wonder, like, it what was there certain personnel matchups that maybe we we could have seen differently and look fuji obviously has been pretty uh inconsistent you could say even in the last two two outings he had before the playoffs but you know he also had uh starting experience and i'm not saying that you know it would have changed the outcome but you got to wonder if perhaps maybe we wouldn't have seen some of the kind of blowouts or, or crazy walks we saw um you know especially in game two game two was really tough to watch this episode is brought to you by progressive insurance whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. 
Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Yeah, oh yeah. well, that's and that that was the difficult element to this is the Orioles bullpen. Well, the situation was that the, the starters needed to log some innings to go to the bullpen early without having Batista there. It shrunk the rotation. I call it the circle of trust all the time. Who do you trust to go out there, get the job done? Maybe they'll give up a walk or a single, but you know what? It's fine. Move on. This is going to be, I trust this guy. He's going to get the job done. The circle of trust shrunk without Batista. Other guys had to move into different spots where they had not been before. Now, Batista had been out for a while. So this team was, you know, had adapted, but it's still without Fujinami. Um, you had a shorter bullpen. And if you have to go to the bullpen in the second or the third inning, Baker's out there, and that you're going to see those types of things happen. You can't send seven guys out there because law of averages, one or two guys, they're not going to have it. Um, so the leaving Fujinami's off there, and that kind of sets me up to like, maybe that's one of the moves, but... Is there something this team could have done differently? Um, you know, and, and it could be it happening in real time. Maybe Hyde could have been quicker to the trigger in game three. I had in my game notes after that first inning, Jonah Heim just missed a home run off of Kramer. It was the final out. But if that had gone out, it would have been 4 nothing. And I had, I put a little star. I was like, bullpen. Should the bullpen be going? The next inning starts out. Now, he gets two of the three. But after that, the base runners start to accumulate. You get to Seager. You walk him, I think. And again, second guessing is easy right at this point. But I had already pinpointed it in the first inning. Hyde's got to, with all the bullpen stuff I just mentioned, I feel like Hyde's got to get him out of there. Because here comes Mitch Garver. It's the baseball gods giving you the sign to get him out of there. This is the guy who hit the grand slam in this second game that blew it open. He's up again. Um, is there anything they could have done differently from maybe a real-time standpoint or from a some things they could have done earlier in the season to better prepare themselves for October? Well, I'll say this. I think everyone's going to go back to the trade deadline, and I understand of going, well, why didn't the Orioles go get more? And there's a lot of different reasons, and I guess we can – it's always the what if. Well, the Orioles didn't have enough. Well, at the time, if we want to go by starting pitching, the prices that that people were having – and I know Jordan Montgomery was a name that probably could have floated around, and I, and I heard you mm-hmm. talking about that, Jim, of <laughs> – excuse me, Montgomery could have been a guy. Having said that, though – a lot of the other ones either haven't worked out as much besides, you know, Justin Verlander, but also what yeah. was the price being willing to be the price that teams wanted. And for the Orioles, they were, they were in this evaluation period, whether people liked it or not to go, we don't know fully what we have yet. And we're afraid to let that go right now. Yeah. And, and I will say this. I think if the Orioles made too many moves at the deadline, you don't get to see the evolution of Grayson Rodriguez in the second half. Sure. Or Kyle Bradish. I mean, Kyle Bradish mm-hmm. was one of the top pitchers in the American League, but no one talks about it because he's on right. an, he's on the Orioles and he hasn't pitched in the postseason. Grayson Rodriguez was tremendous. Then yep. you have John Means coming back, and then the bullpen was in the top four, I believe, when Batista was still healthy. 
Yeah. So then you had Cano, Batista, Perez was was turning it around. But then you have injuries, and how can you account for that? John Means comes back and looks spectacular, and then he has elbow inflammation and you're out. So yep. you can look at that. I would say in-game, though, game two, the biggest one that, that surprised me was, first off, that Brian Baker was on the roster just because – yeah, why not only put Bauman out there? I, I thought Bauman would have been way better option than having Baker. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I think, yeah. So we, we talked about that. Or even Fujian, whether people yeah. like that or not. And again, I like Brian Baker a lot. This is no knock to Baker, but we're talking about circumstances. Baker had only pitched one time in the big leagues since July 29th. And then all of a sudden, you're being thrown into the biggest game of the season. It's five right. to two at that point. And it's a three-run game in the third inning. And that's why I'm thinking, well, you had Jack Flaherty come in the game. If I would have had Jack Flaherty come in, then the third inning. Because it's early in the game. He's used to pitching at that point. Uh, I just think the Orioles had a tough time of trying to distinguish, maybe to your point, Jim, of what roles were guys. You know, Tyler Wells went from the from the from being a starter to the pen, and he was actually pretty great out of the bullpen. But how do you use him? How do you use a guy like Jack Flaherty and Perez? D.L. Hall was sensational, yeah. but it seemed like Hyde was not sure on who to trust, so he went back to guys that he had used previously. And those cases were Brian Baker in this case, yeah. Jacob Webb, um, and unfortunately, it didn't work out for the O's. And I will say this. The Orioles are used to winning close games, and when they lost that first game and Gunner got thrown out at second base on a miscommunication – it just felt like the Orioles were just off because yeah. they weren't playing their brand of baseball. Um, Brad, I want to come to you in one second, but I, I, I do want to say this too. Like if, if it, it doesn't, it, I feel like Brandon Hyde's got to know, and, and I'm not in that chair. I'm not in that position. I've never been in that position, but I still feel like I can put two and two together and, Knowing my bullpen is down a major guy, one of the guys that we've been using is not even on the roster in Fujinami. I got to have a starter ready to go early in the game. So whether it's Wells or Gibson, guys that have started this year, if I'm going to the bullpen in the second or third inning, if I got to get out of a jam, I want I want one of my best relievers, one of my high leverage guys. That's who I want if I got to get out of the second inning with two on and one out, okay? Because I don't want Wells and Gibson. They're used to coming in clean innings, right? So, But but if I'm starting the next inning, didn't Baker? Baker started the inning that he came Sorry. in and he ended up walking all the guys. I can't go to Baker there. I got to have a starter. I got to have Gibson or Wells because maybe I can get three or four innings out of those guys, and that saves the bullpen for tomorrow. I'm a nobody, and I can put that together. Hyde has to be able to put that together. Right now, I don't think we would have killed him that much, but um, because this is his first time going through this rodeo as well, uh, and it's you know pulling the levers and all of that. But I would have liked to have seen better from that standpoint. Um, uh, Brad, I I jumped in front of you there, but let me let me hear your your thoughts on it. No, it's all good. Yeah, no, I I don't disagree with any of the points that uh, either you or Ryan have made as far as like uh, managing the series itself. I mean, obviously, you know, not putting yourself in that, not being able to live through that situation, it's hard to kind of put yourself in and hide shoes. But you know, and of course, hindsight's twenty twenty. But yep. what I'll say to to get to your answer as far as the course of the season, I don't know if I would have changed much. I thought what Mike Elias did 
it was what he felt was made sense without giving up too much. And mm -hmm. we, Ryan and I had talked about this when the trade deadline happened. Um, and it's it's crazy that that Michael Elias, you know, they tried to go after Cease. They the White Sox wanted uh, Jackson Holiday for that, which is laughable, you know. And, and and so the crazy part is, as good as the farm system is, the number one farm system in baseball, Michael Elias is still worried about not having enough players in our own farm system. Uh, and so I think that just speaks to the confidence he has in his own players. And to Ryan's point uh, earlier, I think. It just not enough time has passed uh, to really kind of see how these these guys have developed because they are so young. And the crazy part about this is that the teams won 101 games and they're only getting better. Like next year, they're going to be an absolute dominating team. I, I, I you know, obviously anything can happen, but I have a yeah. ton of confidence in, in feeling like they're going to be a ridiculous team. We're going to see what Jackson Holiday's made up of uh ryan doesn't want to see him in, in at shortstop because he likes gunner there but we'll see where they place him uh mm -hmm. but man it, it, it's it's truly an exciting time to be an orioles fan only because look i said this last night on twitter uh I, 37 years on this earth this is the best team i've ever seen uh come out of baltimore baseball and so like i'm i'm sad to see the the series end the way that it did but man you got to be pumped for what the future holds for for the o's for sure I will say last thing like with that, with yeah. talking about with hide and moves real quick, Jim. Yeah. You know, we were watching a lot of the games. How Hyde managed, besides maybe a uh, a quicker hook on Bradish or pinch hitting Adam Frazier early in the game, the Orioles had a ton of pinch hit uh, opportunities the entire season. They did it probably more than any other team where it was flipping the lineup constantly. Yeah. And they played their miss their their matchups. Like for example, Aaron Hicks and Jorge Mateo weren't in, in the lineup for game three. And those were the two best hitters outside of Gunnar Henderson in game two. Mm -hmm. They played the matchup. And as a that's this uh the analytics compared to old school. The old school you says, you know, I want to go with the hot hand. But Hyde had been doing that, playing the matchups the entire season and pushing the right buttons. So I don't fault yeah. him for going with what he did there, but it just goes to show you uh, for whatever the reasons are uh, the Orioles weren't playing their best ball at the right time, but right. what they were doing did get them 101 wins and winning a lot of games against some of the best teams in baseball. Yeah. I, I this season, uh, you know, it ends in disappointment, but the team definitely arrived in a, in a very prominent way. Early and the Vegas over under on the Orioles this year was 77 and a half. <laughs> Maybe in other areas it was 78, 79. It, it was in the high 70s, low 80s was the over under. And if you bet the over, good for you because you cashed in. Um, and this team should continue to get better. The only potential worry is, you know, and and I and I I brought it up last night, and it's why I and, and they're not my prospects. I'm not, I'm not Michael Eyes. I'm not pulling the trigger. So it's easy for me to say this. I say when I got a chance to win the world series, I want to put my pedal, my, my, my pedal to the metal. I want to, I want that thing on the floor because it's not guaranteed. Even though it seems like for the next five years, the window is going to be open. Things happen, right? You see an unfortunate injury or two. You see unfortunate regression. You see this and that. Now the Orioles are so deep. That I think that from a lineup and a hitting perspective, even if they do have injuries and regression, they're set up 
to have a, the next man up mentality. And, and I, don't, I don't worry about that. It's It'll be the pitching to see, does, does Bradish keep doing his thing? Grayson keep doing his thing. Dean Kramer keep doing his thing. John Means comes back healthy. He's good. He's pitching all year like he was for this little short couple of weeks this year. All of those things. If that's what they do next year, then yes, sign me up for 110 wins. Uh, but things happen. And you also got to consider that this was a down year in the American League East. Next year, what if the Yankees are back and they're pushing 100 wins and the Rays are back doing what they do and the Red Sox are back doing what they do? It it could just look at the Padres. The Padres were a should have been a good team on paper, but they couldn't win one-run games. They couldn't win extra inning games. Sometimes things just happen. That's why, again, they're not my prospects to deal. I'm not Michael Elias. I do think Michael Elias has done a fantastic job. But I I get into a very um, aggressive mode when I think about these years and these opportunities to go for it because next year's not promised. And I, I, I want to go for it. Yeah, I, I think that there's something to be said for that, Jim. Uh, however, I... I, I do see the promise there, and I think that, that the Orioles, the way that they're set up, have the opportunity to get into the dance probably every single one of these next five years. Yeah. And I would make the argument that the AL East didn't have a down year. It's just that the Yankees and the Boston Red Sox had down years. Four of the right. five teams in the division were over 500. And yeah. that there was no other division in baseball that was like that. So I, 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 I don't know if I necessarily agree with that, but I will say that you know I, I can see your point to a certain extent. But also, I, I would rather be in contention over the next five years or at least have a chance to get into the dance mm-hmm. rather than giving up too much and yeah. kind of being one of these teams that just went at once and then the next year they're they're back into being a, a losing team. Do you yeah. think – oh, sorry. Go ahead, Ryan. No, 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 no. Go ahead. No, it's leading into your next question. Well, I was going to say about I, – I, I saw the podcast uh, you guys did the, uh, about Justin Verlander, that, that Verlander uh, – Orioles were on the list for Verlander. If, if that if that could have played out, um, knowing now what it costs to get Verlander, here's here's the thing I think about because the Orioles system is so deep. Are we going to get to a point where we got to say, all right, Mayo we can part with, Westberg we can part with because we've got this 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 and this. We're so rich in this department. And if we want to win a World Series, we've got to have a guy that is – we don't want to spend the money on Nola because that's the other thing that's coming up is I don't believe the Orioles – I do want the Orioles to get an ace, and that is going to lead us into our next topic. I want the Orioles to land an ace. I don't know if I want them to go out and spend a ton of money on Nola or Snell. I would almost rather them go and get somebody that's already under control maybe for a shorter period of time, but that's going to mean a prospect. That could mean Westberg. That could mean Mayo. That could mean Cowser. Uh, that could mean maybe somebody that's going to start making some real money soon. What do you think happens next? Do you want them to be in on a Verlander situation if that opportunity comes up? Do you want them to go spend the money on the pitching? Or is pitching something you you don't want them to go for? You want them to go somewhere else? Ryan, What what's next for the Orioles so that next year... They are making a run. They are winning games. They are in the World Series next year. Yeah, I, I think it's a combination of things. And I know there was, you know, at least with Verlander, by the way, there was, I think, 
we heard multiple things that the going to Baltimore is a possibility, but I think Verlander with the connections and ties and what Houston was going to be willing to give up yeah. the familiarity there. Right. But if the, if the deal was right, I'm sure that maybe something could happen, but the familiarity and what they've accomplished made sense. Now, moving forward, though, I think the first thing that the Orioles have to decide, especially on the pitching side, is what are you going to do with guys that were starters or relievers? So yep. in this case, D.L. Hall, Tyler Wells. And then once you decide if they're going to be a part of your bullpen or go back to your starting rotation, then you can realistically start to make a decision because Felix Batista is out for, for 2024. Right. You're going to need that role to be closed and filled. I, I love what Yunir Cano has done this year, but to me, he's better suited as a setup guy, seventh inning guy who can close out games, but not to be the closer. So if you decide what you're going to do in the bullpen, then that gives you an opportunity to go out there and get some high leverage guys coming out up for relief. Right now to your point, I don't think that the Orioles are going to spend a lot of money on a free agent. I really don't. Now, what I will say is I think next deadline they'll have a better idea of which prospects they really want to keep. And if they're right in the hunt for it, I think they will go after a guy like an ace next year, because now it will, it will probably the dust will settle what you're going to do with, with the guys that you have. And I will say this, Jim, just knowing they believe Kobe Mayo is going to be an all-star. Yeah, They, they exactly. don't want to let Kobe Mayo go. Mm -hmm. The dude rakes. Mm -hmm. yeah. And, and they also believe that Heston Kerstad and Kowser, but of the two, they're going to have to make a decision there as well, yeah. as well as Cedric Mullins, Austin Hayes. It's just to me, it's lining up that they would trade for a guy to have control over mm -hmm. or go make a big move a year for, you know, in July. That's what, yeah. that's what my gut's telling me. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I, don't, I don't disagree with that at all. And yeah, Kobe Mayo is a stud. Uh, giving him up would, would have to come at a, at, at, at a premium. So I, uh, Here's what I'll say. I, I think that, and I said this, and, and Ryan can vouch for me. I talked about this around the All Star break that I thought that the Orioles were one ace away from uh, winning a World Series. I thought like having a, a really solid guy who's been there before, like a Verlander. Uh, but I don't know if I would give up too much for somebody who's 40 years old. We don't know, you know, and, and on a rental, right? Like, and that was yeah. kind of the argument that we had made back then. Um, I will say this. If we can get a healthy John Means, who has a career ERA of 374, I, I don't know how much more they have to do. Uh, if he, he he would be the ace. If we yeah. can get him healthy, I don't know if the Orioles have to go out and leverage too much to get a, get another uh, pitcher if somehow he ends up being healthy. And, and that's going to be the key, I think. Uh, we haven't talked about this, Ryan, but I think that you know with Means being in there, it, it, it's a completely different team. Yeah, I mean, Means was showing down the stretch when he was coming back. He looked like the John Means that was an all-star caliber pitcher a few years ago. You know, but the problem is, I will say this, playing devil's advocate, I don't like to do this, but the injury concern and when you have elbow inflammation and there's issues there, you can't rely on that as much moving forward. I think what you know going into next year, that Kyle Bradish and Grayson Rodriguez are locked. You like where Dean Kramer uh seem to take his game minus the postseason mm -hmm. but yeah that, that's going to be the question like john john means if he pitches in this series we we might have a way different outlook of how we this series might still be going on yeah right but that's going to be the what if moving forward and i think the orioles are realizing they might need to have a little bit more stability 
just because you never know what can happen. And I, and that, and quite frankly, that John means injury, which everyone was looking for that help. uh, That was a crushing blow to not have him on the roster when they needed him most. Yeah, that hurt because if you have him, then maybe Baker is not on the roster Means is in Baker's roster spot. Means is starting a game. Dean Kramer's maybe coming out of the bullpen in long relief if if needed. So the, the whole thing sets up completely different. I, I do. I, I look at the future for this team. I look at the payroll. I look at guys who are going to start to the arbitration years are getting the dollars are getting up there in their arbitration years. They're getting closer to free agency. I see so much of this core is in pre-arbitration, hasn't even reached arbitration yet with a lot of these guys, Um, or maybe they're heading into their first year. Will Anthony Santander, Cedric Mullins, those are the two that jump off the map. Cedric Mullins did not have a hit in this series, which was shocking. Uh, 0 for 12. Um, I feel like one of those two will not be here long-term just because of the money that it will take to lock them in. And I also think about what they could get in return if they were to make either of them available. Do you see that? Do you see the Orioles going down that road? Because Angelos has already gone out there and he's made the statement that they're you give $100 million to this guy, then you give $100 million to this guy, then next thing you know, you're underwater and I'll show you the financials. No, he won't. But you've got all of that in the back of your mind as an Orioles fan. So you got to be thinking about that. Like, decisions are going to have to be made. Do you think one of those two ends up getting traded in the next 12 months, whether it be at the trade deadline or next offseason? Well, Santander would be walking unless they give him a contract. Do you see anything happening with either of those two? Brad, why don't you start this one? Um, I, I think there's potential. And the reason I say that is, is I'll go back to the depth of the farm system. If we lose a guy like Seti, I, I don't know if I would be comfortable uh, letting uh, Santander go, but I don't know if it would be that much of a loss. And I hate to say it as much as I like Cedric Mullins. I don't know if it'd be that much of a loss if we, if we were uh, either traded him or yeah. what have you, because of the depth that we have, you know, I, I, mm-hmm. That's that's the beauty of the ball club is that you lose a guy, unless it's somebody like Gunner or Adley. I, I I don't know if it necessarily makes a huge impact on the team. And to your point, you know Cedric Mullins didn't do great during the the, the playoffs, but he also wasn't doing great going into uh, this series either, as far as his bats concerned. And really, since coming off of IL, just hasn't been the same guy. Oh, maybe we'll see what happens in the off season. Does he get fully healthy, and what kind of season does he have uh, in twenty twenty four? But I feel like it wouldn't be too crazy of a loss if you know we were ha- we happened to lose a guy like Seti. What do you think, Ryan? It feels like something's got to give. Yeah, you know, and you got to make a decision on: Do you want the all-around player that you feel you that Cedric Mullins has proven? And I will say this: And I got to play with Ced. I, I've known Ced for a long time. You know, and, and he will never admit this, but I definitely think that that how his injuries caught up to him. I think he was banged up. And if you look at what was happening throughout the season, he got off to a solid start for the season. He was feeling good. And then he gets hurt in June. Then you come back, you feel like things are getting together. And then, you know, you're battling once again. 
and then he never regained his footing. You know, he had that one incredible game at Seattle, robbed the home run, hit the home run. But overall, it looked like to me a guy that was trying to get, trying to battle through. Now, on the other side of it, Santander, I know has, he's not looked at as being a great defender, even though he's gotten some recognition, but it's his bat. The dude hits homers. The guy, the guy can swing it. So for the Orioles, when you're constructing this team, how do you want to go about that? And you brought up the point. If the Orioles are going to say, we're not going to pay all these guys. Well, the guy that you better pay is Gunnar Henderson. That dude can never leave Baltimore because right. I think he's going to, and this is, I can say it's bold or not. He reminds me a lot of my dad, which guy that got off to a, a slow start to his rookie year and then set the world on fire. And then the scary thing is Gunnar Henderson just getting better against lefties and he's only going to be better moving forward. Would not be surprised if he's an MVP in the next two years. So if you yeah. want to lock him up, then you say you want to lock up Adley. Then by a process of elimination, you are probably going to get rid of Santander or Mullins or something down the road. And I will say this too, Jim, they love Heston Kerstad too. And I got to see him. I Should. think he was the, and I, he was the, to me, he was the best pure left-handed hitter better than Kowser holiday long-term, but Kerstad right now is the best left-handed hitter to help the Orioles. And I really think he's going to swing it. So if you feel like you have a replacement, the Orioles and like, this is Elias's uh, motto where the value is. If the money value is too high, they're going to move on. Yeah. But if they think they can keep them, they will. If not, they're going to go and get the best value for their guys and have someone step right in. I really hope that they can keep as many of these guys as possible. Obviously, that's the that's the wish here because I'd love to keep this group together. I would hate to see it have to break up in five years because the financials just get too out of control. I hope that maybe they can find a way to work things similarly to how they're running in Tampa and they're running in Atlanta where they give out a contract that locks a player in for their first couple of years of free agency, buy out the arbitration, take the first few years of free agency off the board, do that at a with some risk because the player could always tail off or get hurt, but it's also going to cost you a lot less than if you wait until the arbitration years are through. I hope they can figure that out with a couple of these guys. The the the, the Rays have, I mean, I guess the Brandon Lau contract, it, it would depend on who you ask because it looked like that was a good deal, but now he keeps getting hurt. The Franco deal doesn't look that good. The Acuna deal looks amazing. So, they right, it's hot and cold. Sometimes they work out, sometimes they don't. But there's such talent here. I hope they can keep, I hope they can keep them together because um, there's, a, there's a tremendous future and upside with this. Uh, with this group of guys. I, let me throw this one last thing out to you guys. When we think about potential deals, I, I feel like there is a deal to be had soon with Milwaukee. I feel like there's a deal to be had with Cleveland. Cleveland, either Bieber or McKenzie. Milwaukee, either Woodruff or Burns. Burns went through that horrible arbitration nonsense last year with the team. Um, it feels like the Orioles are a perfect trade partner for one of those two teams because they both could use the offensive support and they've the Orioles have that in, in spades. <laughs> I feel like there is a trade combination there. I don't know if it's imminent, if it's this offseason, if it's at the trade deadline, but I hope that if we start hearing rumors about those guys that the Orioles can get in on that conversation because I'd hate to see them wind up somewhere else because it 
it, I feel like there's a perfect fit there, a perfect trade with the Orioles and either Cleveland or uh, or Milwaukee. But we'll see. But we'll yeah. see. Go ahead, yeah. Ryan. Yeah, I think, you know, it's interesting. Now that Francona's gone and the Guardians, what are you going to do? I think mm-hmm. that's a decision. If you're looking to unload and you're trying to revamp, that makes sense. And Corbin Burns, I feel like, is the guy that everyone's just been talking about for years and years uh, about possibly, be- or not years, but the last couple of years of being on the move, right? So it mm-hmm. makes sense. Kristen McKenzie is a very interesting one. Also, fun fact, faced him in the minors. Not fun. It felt like the ball, his hand, when he extended it, it, yeah. was, it was his hand was almost touching the catcher's glove. That's how much it felt like it was getting on the hitter. Right. So I, I love his upside. But again, I think it's just going to be where they're at. Milwaukee's still in this, you know, Milwaukee's going to be right there in the thick of it. They got a very solid team. They, they've they proven that the NL Central is still going to be wide open. So I think the Guardians are in that, you know, not saying that no man's line. They got a really young team, but they got to figure out yeah. what they want before they make a decision. But Corbin Burns, maybe this is the year he's on the move. Could be. Um, I had a super chat come in on, on the YouTube uh, live chat from Rocky Adams. Rocky Santander, to me, is more likely a trade candidate than Mullen since he has one year of control left. Also, Kowser and Kierstad will get opportunities. I mean, that's Rocky. Thank you for the donation. I hope you're still here, Rocky. Um, I would think that's like, like you said, Ryan, something's got to give because they have so much talent coming up and it would be, I, I would, I'd hate to see Santander go, but if, if that's the piece that it takes to get a surefire top of the rotation playoff tested guy, that can take you to a World Series, and you're not going to re-sign Santander anyway. That's that. Those are the decisions that have to be made. But that one, Santander, I feel like over the last two years has really engraced himself with the Baltimore Orioles fan base. It, it better be some if they trade, if they trade Tony Taters, it better be for, it better be for Corbin Burns because if it's not, they might start scaling the warehouse and try to take that thing down with Angelos inside of it. <laughs> I couldn't agree more. I mean, Santander hit 28 homers and uh, he actually performed very well in yep. uh, this playoff season as well, or series. And so I, I, I you know, OPS is at 833. I, 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 I don't know. I, 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 I appreciate the sentiment, but I think that, that losing a bat like Santander is at least, in this moment in time would be a significant loss. And it's like, how do you make up for that? Well, it's mm-hmm. got to come at a premium. So I agree with that. Um, I just, I don't know if I see him as a more likely trading trade candidate uh, over, over somebody like Cedric. So um still going to stick with that. Yeah, yeah. Like you said, they, they have to know what they've got with Kirstead. They have to know what they've got with Mayo, all these guys at the major league level before maybe they trade Santander. Ryan, I'm sorry. I interrupted you. No, but I was saying this, we've had this discussion all year long with Brad because in Baltimore, everyone, every time someone went was slumping in the bigs, everyone's going, we need to call up a prospect and yeah. they're going to. And, and so I thought that was unfair to a guy like Colton Kowser, who was raking down in triple a, but everyone really thought, and, and sometimes guys hit the ground running, right? It happens. We saw Ellie De La Cruz with the Reds come out of the gate hot, you know, yes. and then he had his struggles throughout the season. Some of the Orioles, like Kowser came up, and he struggled. Doesn't mm-hmm. mean he's a bad player. I, I believe in Kowser's talent. I think he's really good. But I think 
you got to understand, even the guys that the Orioles have right now, all their quote-unquote guys, stars, they struggle to start their careers. So Santander, Cedric, Hayes, Gunner, even Adley for a short period of time, it doesn't necessarily mean that you have all these guys that they're going to turn into the next big thing. It might take time. So to your point, if you're moving Santander, you're either going to be willing to give every opportunity to one of your young guys and ride them out. But if you have doubts, you really need to think about before you move such a premium bat. I mean, Santander has proven that he can be a force in lineups. And this isn't from mm -hmm. a recency bias of just this season. The dude hit 18 home runs in 21, 33 last year, and 28 uh, this season, and he drove in 95 runs. That's really hard to replicate, so you really have to think closely when you're trying to evaluate who to move. Yeah, no, it's it's there are there's there are a lot of interesting days ahead for the Orioles. This offseason is going to be really fascinating to see what they do, see what they're rumored in, see what, and then have to sift our way through what rumors are real and what are not. But I know you guys are going to be covering it very closely. I want you to, uh, Ryan, take a second, tell everybody where they can find you guys, where they can subscribe to you, all of that. Tell everyone that's listening on the pod and, and watching on YouTube where they can get your, your stuff. Well, usually I'm really bad at this, but we we are on the YouTube channel. I think it's still at uh, Ryan Ripken official. If you search Ryan Ripken, right, Brad? I think we pop yeah. up and mm -hmm. and um, we do two live shows a week, Monday and Thursday. But we're sprinkling in videos and and Brad. What else do we have kind of planned for this off season? Yeah, so we're we're actually looking to. Uh, I, I mean, I might be a little bit premature, but we're trying to find some ways to get down there during uh, spring training as well. Uh, and and actually talk to some guys uh, on the ball club, and we'll, we'll figure all that out. But super pumped for that. But we're also covering not just baseball, but football as well. We're really trying to expand into uh, the the national spotlight as far as being able to be a, a a place for all sports on the Ryan Ripken show. So if it's if you're if Orioles aren't your thing, that's cool. Come see us anyway. We're going to be talking about something that you're probably interested in. So we'd love to have you guys over there at the Ryan Ripken show. Yeah, last thing I'll say, too, is if you guys want us to break down anything baseball-wise, uh, we are definitely down for that. A specific player situation, we're definitely diving into more of that, so we'd love to answer any questions. We're easy to find on Twitter, X, whatever people call it nowadays. I'm just Ryan Ripken. He's at Own the Chaos for Brad. And seriously, ask us any question. We'll be glad to give you answers. Appreciate it, guys. Thank you for coming in. This was a lot of fun, and I hope that we can get back together next time the Orioles have some big news that sort of rocks the baseball universe. I I'm coming to you guys, all right? Yeah, perfect. Love to. All right, everybody. Thank you again to Ryan and Brad. Thank you to those watching on YouTube. This is where we will part with you to those listening on the podcast. Thank you guys for coming in. Make sure to subscribe. Help the pod grow. Rate and review. Tell your friends all about the Barreled Up podcast and the great guests that we have here. That's going to do it for this one, everybody. I appreciate you coming in, spending some time. Salute you, Ball Cap Nation, for supporting the channel and the pod. I'll catch you next time. Yeah. <laughs>